You're listening to Say Yes to Travel with your host, Sarah Dandeshi. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to Travel. And as we are all fans of travel, some of us even work in the industry, right now is just such a fascinating time. And over these next few interviews that I've been doing, I have been reaching out to friends, mentors, people that I look up to within the hospitality industry, because so many of us are just in different, uh, we have different roles within the industry. And I love hearing people's personal stories because through their own stories, we're able to help navigate our own at this time. So uh, without further ado, I definitely want to go ahead and introduce a dear friend, a mentor, uh, an all-around just incredible human being, Holly Steele. Holly, I, I, I don't even know how to introduce Holly because you are like, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way. Uh, First of all, let me just say, Holly, welcome so much. And thank you so much for joining me today. Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. I love being here with you. It's just like having a conversation with Sarah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Well, so for those that are just tuning in, um, and certainly if you're in the concierge profession, you absolutely know who Holly Steele is. She uh, was uh, the first female Lake Lador concierge, which is definitely amazing to, to think. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Um, but she has since gone on and has become this trainer extraordinaire and has been, she is like the queen of hospitality training and has just been able to really reach so many people. And I know, uh, Holly, personally, like you've impacted me, I, all, all of my friends, whenever we get a chance to hear you speak on, on anything, you know, you just, you just bring so much energy and you have also just the right attitude towards hospitality. So uh, I thank you so much for just sharing your infectious, your positively infectious attitude towards hospitality because you really do inspire a lot of us. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> so um, with all of that, let me, let's just think, talk about, you know, a couple of things that we had kind of talked about before. I mean, this is, you might not think of it as, as much of a big deal, but it is certainly, you know, groundbreaking uh, in, an ex- in a certain extent is, uh, what was it like being the first female in Lake Claydor? You know, it's so funny, Sarah, because like being the first female, I, I didn't even know that that's what I was in the beginning. I mean, I got a telephone call from a concierge uh, at the Clift and I answered the phone and this guy was so shocked and I was like, are you surprised? He said, well, are you the concierge? I'm like, I am. And he's like, he was shocked. He became my mentor. And, and I said, well, uh, are you surprised because I'm a woman? He said, yeah. I said, well, I am. So get over it and let's have the conversation, whatever, whatever we need to do. It was, just, it was one of those things where, you know, the truth is, Sarah, I love the concierge. Like, I truly, absolutely in every cell of my being, I love the concierge. And 40 something years later, I still do. And that's what comes through. And if that's what people talk about, that I inspire them, it's absolutely from this place of love. I think it's the most incredible profession. When I still, to this day, walk in a hotel lobby and I see a great concierge and I see someone like who can speak all those languages and be on two phones and take care of people in front of them and do that dance. I'm like, wow, this is such an incredible art form. And I'm still love it at its highest level. So 
to answer your question, what was it like to be the first female? It was a little weird at first because there really, I, I, there were three women in a sea of men in Vienna in 1970. Um, it was 1978, and I started in 1976. But I, I always, you know, I was never like this big pushing feminist, you know, to do it. I, I just, I just came out was this young woman. I loved what I did. I was good at it, and I loved it. And so it just was natural for me. So I. I it, it wasn't hard or pushy or anything. It was just, I was in the right place at the right time to become the first woman. And I was in the right profession to um, take advantage of the things that, that I can do well. And from the very first time, well, like the, within the first week, of being there. I mean, I sold tour tickets because they didn't even have concierge in America then. <laughs> but I understood because I have a master's in education and I understood that this was something that I could share and teach because I thought it was so amazing. So from within the first few weeks, I knew that that's what I wanted to do was to teach it and to share it. And it took me 17 years to get a publisher to do that first book on the concierge. Really? So, 17 years? 17 years. And everyone thought it was my second book because I talked about it so much. And I, I just, you know, had notes and outlines. And, and I wrote my first training program in 19, what was it, 1979. Wow. I started in 78, it was 1980, it was called Courtesy Training for Profit, The Art of Service. And it was like way before its time and nobody wanted to hear about it. But um, I, I've always just, this has just been my passion. And I think what people feel is, is this real sense of love and honesty and authenticity around this, because that's what's real. And just let me say one thing about the female concierge is that I never wanted to touch the politics of Lake Tour. I just didn't. And um, But my really, really dear friend, Marjorie Silverman, uh, she did. And she became the first female president of Lake Tour. And when she did, she said it was like the Pope being a woman. Oh. And um, sometimes when I go to Lake Tour, um, meetings now and young people don't know who she is because she died about five years ago. That makes me sad because really talk about a, a female pioneer and she really, really did that. And, and I think that today still women have a little bit of an issue with uh, this very, very male oriented profession which is funny to me that it's male oriented because it requires so much multitasking that women are actually better at, but um, that's kind of the way it's always been. So I love that you say that. And, you know, and I, and the reason why I asked that is because I knew that, you know, you and I are, are very similar in that regard that, you know, it just, we're just being our authentic selves and, the fact that we might happen to be female or the the first in this regard is just the byproduct of being there the right place at the right time and it wasn't necessarily the driving force of why you were doing what you wanted to do you were doing it because of the actual passion for the profession and by the way i actually did not know that you had a master's in education that is fantastic and i'm not surprised because you are a true educator and you're incredible and i i also Thank you for bringing up Marjorie as well, too, because she certainly was a pioneer. And it's and it is interesting that and the, again, the only reason why I bring it up is that, you know, there is a cert, sort of importance to being female in this profession and also in other professions, even to this day. So that's why I touch on it is because 
it is something of note. So I appreciate that you were able to, to share a little bit of that, that insight. Uh, but now, obviously, you know, you've kind of shared the, you know, the breadth of uh, your, your involvement in the industry. And, you know, from not only the education standpoint, but also from being a concierge and, and working in it. So from your perspective, how have you seen the travel industry change over the years? You know, the travel industry has, the demands of the customer have changed, I believe. And well, actually, well, not just that. I mean, their customers have become very demanding, but like the fact that everybody can afford to travel. And I think that that's changing now and it may go back a little bit. So that's not exactly the question, but I think that, that the way, can we just talk just a little bit, just maybe narrow it a tiny bit to the concierge and then to see sure. affect the rest of um, travel. The fact is that uh, many years ago, so we know that the concierge is a fairly old profession, it was all about information. And information is no longer the least bit scarce. As a matter of fact, there's too much information. And a friend of mine wrote a book called Information Anxiety. And so what a concierge has to do is curate information today. And so it's about curating that information. It's also, I believe, about combining technology with the a concept of the old world concierge. And when I say the old world concierge, what I mean by that, and this is long even before I was a concierge, it's the, the idea of that connectivity with your city, that deep, deep romance that you have when maybe it's not a city, maybe it's a resort, and maybe Maybe it's a small town. It doesn't matter. It's about who you know and how you can get access to special things. And, and that's what was so mysterious about a concierge in the past, because they could connect people. They could figure out how to get you know money from place to place. They could figure out how to get somebody backstage. They could do all of these things. And, and it was a little bit secretive. Okay, mm -hmm. so then it became uh, a lot more in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then I tell concierge all the time when training, if you Google something in front of a guest, you are going to be redundant. There is not anybody who is asking you a question who doesn't have Google. They don't need you for that. They need you to do something that would give them bragging rights. They need you to do something that, really gives them special access so that they feel really seen and heard and special. That is the value of a concierge. And the people who do this in a mediocre way, then a kiosk can do that. You don't need that. So you really have to combine the technology with the old world understanding of being extremely well connected. Mm -hmm. And that and so then if, if, we, if we expand that to travel in general, you can see that it went from, you know, just transaction to experiences. Exactly. And so, and then now things have changed dramatically again during this profound time. But I think that that's the crux of it. And also another thing that I think is really important, and this is also for general service, but I'll again bring it back to the concierge so that's, you know, our connection, but which is I always teach people that, a concierge doesn't answer questions. A concierge asks questions. And when we understand that, the service changes. Everything changes. 
and that what people really, really want is to make everything easy. They want ease. They want special access, and they want real recognition. It's not about information. That's done. Oh my gosh, Holly, I could hear you speak all day because you are totally speaking my language. And I agree with you because it is, it is. And it's how to create that, those, those special moments. And you totally tied it in with the concierge into the overarching theme of travels. It is about, it is about experiences. And that's really, you know, where we've seen this huge shift. It's not just about the, the basics. And I love, I love that you said it's about asking questions. Because it is. That's how, that's how you start a conversation. That's how you get to know somebody and you get to learn so much. And I think that's really the best way that you can curate an experience is by knowing who you're curating for. Yes. And, and for how long and for who. And, and, you know, and like, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, one of my clients, actually, she said she was using a, a large concierge type of uh, phone service. And um, she said, this is the day they organized for me in the wine country. And she said, I want you to look at it and tell me what you think. And so this concierge, they set up a, a lovely day, but they recommended a restaurant. And uh, it's a wonderful restaurant. It really is. It's truly a wonderful restaurant. But I use this example a lot in my seminars because it was a terrible recommendation for her because it had nothing to do with being a wonderful restaurant because it is but it's also a meat-centric restaurant and this particular person is a vegetarian oh it's also a restaurant that doesn't take reservations and she was on a precious one-day trip with her best friend on a girl retreat and on a saturday she would have waited in this restaurant for two hours that was meat-centric and i'm like it has nothing to do with whether it's a good restaurant or not yes you can check that off but this is about a good restaurant for you What's right for you? Because the thing about asking questions is the flip side of that is listening. And most people aren't great at that. So if you, you got to listen and then take that information and then really design and creatively something that's personalized for them. And that so personalized is another buzzword in the industry that is so important today. Because like it used to be, you know, where's the museum? What time is it open? Like, done so that's you know it's it's very very different sense yeah what we do it takes it to the next level and i and that's really what people they respond to and yeah you you nailed it you definitely nailed it so what do you think um is the new currency in luxury travel you know, like I was saying, that it's everything's changed. It's 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 a it's a very very profound time. But I, I really think that travel right now, whether it's um, going to a restaurant or going to a hotel or anywhere spa anywhere, that the very very first thing is safety. The very first thing. This was never the very first thing. It was about fun. It was about you know like you know getting away. All of those things, but now. Safety is first. It's kind of like an airline in a way that the hospitality industry has to take the, their cue from the airline industry that has always been safety first. They've always said safety first. Unfortunately, they lost the hospitality along the way, and they do need to bring that back into a balance a little bit. But the, the idea that it's safety first on everything. So like, you know, the old story, if you pull the tray down and you see that there's a spot, you wonder if there's something wrong with the engine. 
like the other day I read something from a hotel in Florida that was reopening and they had this beautiful piece about all the things that were that they're doing for safety and for cleanliness and everything. And I'm reading this and I found two typos. Okay. And I am not a perfectionist and I'm not like, you know, I'm not like looking for nitty, you know, nitpicking, but I saw them and I went, if they have two typos in their piece that they're bringing out to people to say, you know, we're taking care of the details. I'm concerned about that. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of details that we really have to look at because safety is the essence of what we're doing now. And then the, the combination of trust that creates the safety is what is really where people need to focus 100% on all of this. And that, that takes some real understanding of that this is a stressful, stressful time. And then the safety also has to come in with this six feet distance and the, 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 the uh, face masks and, and compliance and all of that. We, we just took all that for granted. I mean, we may have to tell somebody that they need to comply if we were in security, but mostly it was about different things. So this is really important. It's like a huge shift of the essence of the business. And that's different. Good. And well, I love this. And I'm hearing you just like all the passion come out of you as you say this, because this is totally the essence. And in fact, uh, and we'll touch on it definitely at the end so that people can know where to, to look and to, to find more about you. Um, but you also host many workshops as well. And you actually have a new workshop. Is this correct? I do. We're, we're actually postponing it because people are just so busy opening up. We were doing it in the wine country, which I, I work a lot in the wine country are just opening up these wineries that, you know, right now we're not getting traction because we want, and we're like totally there to help people to do this, to understand like just something I've taught for years. It's called the wings of no. It's like, how do you tell somebody that they need to wear their mask or they're not going to get, they won't be able to be served. And how do you do options? around this and how do you really look at you know understanding what all the alternatives are and making everybody safe including the team Mm -hmm. and where is the team's level of safety so that managers can understand like are you are you comfortable to do this because if you're not comfortable we need to regroup and think like in California yeah you can serve outside okay Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to (laughs) because it just means you can yeah and, and so there's just a lot to think about right now We're about safety and trust, I think. Yeah, safety and trust, as you, you know, they, those are the buzzwords right now. And that's definitely the new currency, I would say, you know, for luxury travel. So obviously with, you know, there are many individuals at this time, I mean, this, this essence, uh, you know, some people have been either let go or they've been furloughed. We're still in this, a little bit of this gray area as we, you know, have sort of been forced to pause. Uh, But what helpful things have you seen, and maybe even some things that you've done yourself during this time, this moment of sort of pausing from our past normal (laughs) um, during the pandemic? You know, Sarah, so much. I I just want to be conscious and kind and empathetic about this time because everybody you know i I read this wonderful thing it says we're all in the same storm but we're not all in the same boat and and i think that that has to be taken into consideration when you talk about this time because what i'm doing living 
up on the north coast of California in a four acre redwood forest and, you know, two blocks from the ocean and is very different than what someone who is um, teaching two young children in a New York apartment is doing. So I, I really want to preface everything with being conscious and aware that everybody has a little bit of a different boat. And at the same time, if you can take advantage of this profound time, if you are lucky enough to be healthy and in a place where where you can take advantage of this profound pause and not sleep through it and not just watch the news through it or watch television through it, but to, to take advantage of it because it's, it's really amazing. I mean, for a type A person like me, I can do eight times more things than I could do when I was, you know, in traffic or trying to park in San Francisco and then go to an appointment and drive home in traffic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got this class and I've got this class and I'm dancing and I'm taking, yeah. you know, and I meditate, believe it, I actually meditate, but I'm, you know, doing all sorts of things because, and I, and I keep learning and growing and, and I, and making a decision to be different. Mm -hmm. at the end of this and whatever that looks like and allowing creativity to just come through. I'm working on a book on perception with my niece and, um, and I, and I, I'm having a nice time. I, I can't, you know, I mean, given, given with empathy and compassion and really telling the truth about it, what I've noticed that's been really remarkable for me it's like I just feel emotionally intelligent through it. I, I have surrendered. I've just surrendered. Well, then what can we do? Is this it? This global, it's never happened before. It's like, oh my gosh. Wow. Like it's, it's on some levels. It's so fascinating. It is. And it's fascinating. And, and, I, and, and sad and horrible and things and all that. But I'm just like, wow. Okay. I, I, I surrender. And I will go every hour. I'm doing this a day at a time and a day at a time is probably going to become a year. Yeah. You know, you say that and it reminds me so much of even just, you know, my experience in this and, you know, certainly there's a pandemic and then being within Los Angeles as we've had the massive Black Lives Matter movement happening and I'm, I'm in the city, you know, those, all those photos and those images that you're seeing of all the um, you know the demonstrations happening are literally happening outside my my window, and and I just keep saying to myself that it's like what a time to be alive. Like this is history. The pandemic is history. The these you know the Black Lives Matter movement on this level is history, and it's not. It doesn't have to all be pretty, but it to me it. I can't be any other way than be incredibly present with it and understand all the emotions that go with it, the highs and then the lows and, and all of that. And so I love that you, you know, you said that with as far as the emotional intelligence and this empathy and, and even just taking it a day at a time, because that's really what we need to do. It <laughs> just, there's just so much uncertainty. There's so I much. Mean, you know, there's so much uncertainty. And so there's some things that we can be certain of amidst the uncertainty. And, you know, the, the other day I, I went to a rally, actually, it was like a, it was an anti-racist thing in, in my little town, you know, and there were maybe 50 people there. We all were social distanced. Everybody was in masks. But anyway, I, there was, um, we, we did a meditation for the almost nine minutes of the chokehold. 
And um, as I'm doing this, sitting there and doing this meditation, I was under, like, there was a sun was really big. There was like a sun. And then there was this rain cloud happened within the sun. And, and it's raining on me the whole time with the sun. And I kept thinking, I'm just living in a metaphor here. Wow. Sun and rain through this thing. And, and, and there, there you have it. You know, <laughs> and, and nine, it was almost nine minutes. Wow. Just, this, is, this is this time to go in mm-hmm. and um, learn. And ask and ask ourselves a lot of questions and what do we value and what's important and how do we want to spend our time and all of the, you know, and all all of the accumulation and acquiring and running and and just to stop it like this. Mm-hmm. Really quite the opportunity. Um, I'm fascinated by it really. Yeah. No, I I agree like wholeheartedly. Um so We'll shift our focus a little bit um, and talk more a little about hotels. But so as we know, you know, hotels are definitely focusing on being clean. But what do you think hotels should not overlook in their recovery process? The thing that I've been about all these years and what I teach and everything is all about the emotions. It's navigating the emotions of this thing for everyone, for the team, for the traveler. The emotions of this thing are just so enormous. So it's really about paying attention and being conscious and staying aware and then responding to what you see so that you, you know, if you see someone who's a total nervous wreck, then you respond to them with telling them what you want to tell them so that they'll feel calmer. If you see someone who's just, yeah, they're just sort of more more casual about this, then you can respond in that way. You need to really pay so much attention right now to individuals so that personalization now becomes a little bit different than just personalizing on the outside we need to really read what is the emotion that's really going on for people during this time and to connect with that and the more that we can do that i think the more that we build the trust yeah i mean because because it's it's the essence so first is safety because without that it's like you know the hierarchy of need so we're going to have to feel safe so once you do that then it's like you know i was taking some of the forbes training stuff and they they said this thing i love it's like you want people to walk away and say well that was really thoughtful thank you that was thoughtful because we really need to be ultra thoughtful right now and and but but see that's kind of hard it's even harder now because we have all the emotions too. We always have, yeah. but they've been easier to tamp down. But now everybody's emotions are on the surface. So to ignore that and to not, you know, would be insane. Yeah. Because this is not normal. No, exactly. Like this is really, you know, it's like the boogeyman. So we all need to to pay attention to to that. And especially, I think, for managers and all of that to pay attention to their teams because it all has to come through them. And that is really, really, really important. And I also think that during this time, though, that in business, the really a lot of businesses have just exponentially went out there. Like they have fixed processes and systems. And yeah, hopefully some of them did training. I mean, a lot of them don't. But this is like really important because you can get things done now in two weeks that would have, or these last few months, that would have taken you years because you don't have the time in the middle of the operation. So people who were really smart, just really focused and did what they, all the things on the to-do list that they couldn't get to. So I, I hope that that was true. 
Yeah, no, and and I think we've seen a lot of different businesses do that, and and I think also we've seen people at home, you know, have have kind of taken the the moment to do that, whether it is self-educating and being like, you know what, I really want to like work on speaking. I really wanted to work on uh, my German or I really wanted to work on uh, wh- whatever it might be. I need to clean that closet that I've never cleaned. And it can be something personal. It can also be something professional. But uh, but those, you know, of us that have really, that are taking the time to go to that, to get those things done, um, it's just been helpful. And I think it also provides a bit of purpose too. And a time where the traditional sense of structure has like been totally swept away and it's sometimes hard to find your purpose without a lack without structure so it's like okay well how can you create structure and again whether it's in the workplace but then also at home so it's definitely been an interesting time for that um you've touched on this a bit actually a couple times through our conversation but i want to address it you know uh, directly so what do you recommend for the concierge or those you know in the hotel industry or hospitality workers that are looking to stay relevant moving forward because a lot of people are scared they're like oh my gosh are we going to go to a land of robots like we can't necessarily touch people or how do we so how do people in this space that are so reliant on that human connection how do they stay relevant well, I think you just said it with reliant on the human connection and that that we have to get out of the me and into that we really and get a little bit creative and to, and ask questions and listen. And especially now, I would ask, I would if, if, if I had the opportunity to speak to clients, I would ask them, I would call them, I would talk to them. I would say, how can we help you in the best way possible, because everybody might have a very different answer. I was listening to a lecture yesterday and it said to ask your relationships, how can I make you feel more loved and treasured? Well, maybe we don't use the words loved and treasured, but we use words that would be like, what can we do that to, to, to really help you to enjoy your experience when you come back to travel? What could we do? Because and then if we really listen, then we'll know actually what to do. But that thing that I talked about before about, yes, concierges, people do say, well, the concierge can be replaced. But the concierge who just Googles and the concierge who just answers questions, yes, you can be replaced. Absolutely. Because a robot could do it. But if you do things that a robot can't possibly do, then you can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. You just you have to also have management that sees the value in understanding that. Yeah. And because it's not just you, it's the value that you bring to the whole, to the to you know, the whole gestalt of a hotel. A concierge is a person who is has the ear and the eye of the guest. The general manager doesn't have that. You have that. And if you don't do anything with that that's of value, then you miss the point. Mm-hmm. So how do you, do you have a relationship with the guest so that if you left, the guest would leave with you? Because every hotel's a box. Mm-hmm. Okay? If it's in a good location, it's a good box. But it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's just that this is the the heart and the soul and the, and what we've lost in this pandemic and what we have recognized to be so important is human connection because 
Thank you, Zoom. Thank you so much for at least, I mean, really, how can you imagine? I can't possibly imagine doing this without Zoom. I'm such a connected person. Even on the days where I don't have so many Zoom calls, I'm off. And I notice that humans need connection. We are. That's our species. That's who we are. If the concierge can really take advantage of that and recognize how to connect in a way that would be valuable for people. And the way to do that is to understand them and to ask them and then to follow through with that. Because I think they're going to need the concierge more than ever because it's this human thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think if, if the pandemic, you know, there are some silver linings that will come out of this for sure. But the, if one of them is, is this really deep recognizing of the human connection. And, and for me, one of them that I want to come out of this, I'm actually going to come out with a video pretty soon. I'm working with this uh, Malaysian film school. They're so cute. The refugee film school in Malaysia that my friend uh, created, which talks about recognizing each other so that the customer like if you wear a name tag you're not invisible like essential workers have really become essential like all of us who are in frontline service like pay attention to us because if we weren't there the world would stop say thank you say thank you mm -hmm. and, and understand each other and be connected and with each other doing this life together if that could come out of this where people are no longer invisible who do frontline service that would be that that's my prayer and my silver lining for all of this quite frankly yeah and it reminds me of right as everything was sort of happening especially with the the essential workers you know and obviously you know hospitals and and that certainly what they're doing there in in the medical industry but then but even like grocery stores and it was so fascinating at the beginning i'd go to the grocery store and you know i go to the same one and i definitely i always I, I, I always, you know, I talk to the people that work there, you know, and it's, yeah. of course, so I always joke around that I'm like, oh yeah, I know everybody that works at the grocery store and people are always like, why do you know people at the grocery store? And I'm like, I go there every day. So why would I not have a conversation or the, I mean, I've become friends with the security guard or this and, you know, it's like, I feel safe when I'm there because I've actually made a point to have a conversation with these people. So it's like, they will make sure I'm okay. I'm not just another number to them because I didn't treat them like they were just another number in essence to me. But I was seeing the conversations happen like at the deli counter, the converse, all of a sudden people were having more conversations. How are you? Is everybody in your family? Okay. Wow. And it was heartwarming to see because I'm like, wow, these people are actually taking the time to, to know and to, to have, to have these connections. And so I too, I really hope that we keep a bit more of that and that we don't glaze over that in the busyness of life. And I'm guilty of being busy for sure. Um, but that we really take the moment to, or the time to just like connect a little bit more. So, um, so what coming back to like travelers what do you what do you think or feel or or see might be um what type of guests do you think will be the first to come back young i, I do <laughs> i think that you know people over 65 are really scared they're scared to get on a plane i i they are i mean most people i can't speak for all people i mean i know I, i'm not so anxious to get on an airplane right now i'm not so afraid of hotels actually i really think 
like especially like I love what Hilton's doing at Hilton Clean and and you know all kinds of you know the Marriott's doing a great thing and yeah. you know I, I I just think they're being so careful mostly I think in in hotels that I I think that people are going to travel do a lot more road trips but I, I think that young people they just think they're pretty immune to it so I think they're going to be the the first travelers I think some people who travel on business um, may not be as comfortable. Mm-hmm. But they have to go, uh, so there will be that. Although I called a hotel, that I wanted to do something for our anniversary, and I, I I called a Hampton Inn actually up in um, Ukiah, just near, and they asked me what county I was from, and I said I'm, I'm from Mendocino, and they said, well then you can stay here. They're only letting people in the county go. Wow, I thought that was really pretty interesting. But anyway, I, I just think that that the demographic is probably going to change for quite a while because uh, because of the vulnerability. I mean, I think that, yeah, there are people who, I mean, there really actually are still people who think this is a hoax, which is pretty giant hoax for the whole world. But I think that people who are at risk the most are going to be more cautious. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a younger traveler is probably going to be your first one out. I also think perhaps of extreme wealth will also be traveling on private. And yeah. I think that people will be traveling in private planes much, much more. And airports like Teterboro ought to like really, you know, pump up because I think that that's what's going to happen is that if you can fly private, you will fly private oh, and, yes. and then go to the hotels or like even like in places like Tanzania or whatever, it'll be more of a bubble and mm-hmm. you'll, you won't necessarily be, you know, jumping up and down with the Maasai quite as much. But I think the, um, you know, so, but that sort of uber luxury travel, I think, will come back because people can fly private and be pretty assured than young people. And I think the sort of demographic in your 65 to 75. They're going to wait a bit. They're, they're probably going to wait till there's a vaccine. Yeah. And and that makes sense. And and I think it's, but I, I do love that you, you bring up that certainly the young, uh, definitely the super wealthy. I also think that there'll be, not, I don't not only just think, but we've seen studies about this, that the LGBTQ community as well, too, are also some of the first to kind of get back out there and travel. A lot of different reasons, you know, generally speaking, and we're talk- definitely speaking general generalizations that, you know, they might not have families or kids and they might come from a, a dual income household. So they, in essence, have more funds and more uh, time to devote to traveling. And they're like, hey, let's go ahead and, and get out there. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, the certain first wave and then the second wave and the people sort of testing the waters. Well, it'll all be interesting because, quite frankly, we don't. Not, nobody really knows. I mean, we're we're all we're all guessing. I mean, everyone's guessing. I mean, we just you know, no one one hundred percent knows. But I'm really glad you said that thing about the LGBT community because a friend of mine called me the other day. He said, "Do you want to do something on gender inclusion uh, in terms ah. of language?" And I said, "All right," because I just I'm just a yes person. I'm like. Sure. You want to do that, Sean? I'll interview you. We'll figure it out. But that's so interesting because, you know, I, you know, I don't know how large the numbers are, but all those people have families. They all So it's like, even when you say things like ladies and gentlemen, you're wrong. Yeah. You can't even say that anymore. No. So how do you say it? So there's a lot of uncomfortableness. So that just came into my world too. And I'm like, yeah, I'll follow, I'll follow that. Yeah. Well, cause it, it's valid. It, it, I mean, it's, it's totally, and especially now where it's just, I mean, we're in the middle of pride month. You've got the black lives matter movement, just really at an all time high within the U S but also globally as well too, which has been fascinating to see that the, the pandemic where people have been 
forced to stay inside and they're like glued to their computers, their phone. And so people are consuming in a very different way as well too, but then they're also getting a little bit of an itch to, to reopen or to go, you know, to just kind of like get back out there again. So it is a really interesting time. And, and I still think, again, as you mentioned, there are a lot of things that we don't know. So it'll be interesting to see how in these initial waves of reopening, what happens with the the virus because really that will indicate how things move how we move forward from that well yes but also the economy sarah because if you think about it like okay how long can a restaurant sustain itself with 50 percent or just take out or just take out. so you know i work on this restaurant team for the sbdc which is just awesome it's just been a wonderful experience and so i'm a little bit inside baseball listening to you know and being around this and it, this is unsustainable i mean it's probably unsustainable to not sell a middle seat it's there's a lot of you know how do hotels sustain it and with 48 hours in between a room so i mean we have an economic situation here too that we don't know and we don't know how long. And yeah, maybe a Hilton can sustain it, but they, you know, but how mom and pops or smaller boutiques or whatever. I mean, even so airlines, right. even airlines by blocking the middle seat and not putting anybody in the middle seat, airlines cannot fly, a, a, send out a flight and make any profit on it. And yes, again, as you said, it might be a bigger company. There might be this and that, but it's like, how long is that sustainable? So, so we have, it isn't just the, the virus. So the fact that, there's a sustainability in uh, business that we have to see of what, of, of who's, you know, maybe 50% of restaurants could go out of business. Mm-hmm. Hotels, airlines could go out of business. I mean, there's, wow. you know, maybe the government will step in for that. I don't know. But there's, so there's just a lot unknown. So again, it's like this connection and reaching out to people so that we can really, I, I guess I started this conversation with love and I guess we should probably end it there too. It's like that we could, maybe have an understanding when we haven't been able to work that we love our jobs and that we love the people who are still coming back to come to do that. I remember after 9-11 when I flew and people would say, thank you for coming out and thank you for flying. And I really think that that's what we all need to be doing to connect is come from our heart and say, thank you for traveling again. Thank you for coming. And how can we share our love with you and how can we do that because if if we can reconnect to our own personal love of what we're doing and then share that with other people then they'll walk away and go i appreciate it 100 holly you keep giving me chills this is this it's like you i just i i love just talking with you so i and with that i want to end this i'm going to do a little bit of a curveball, uh, but, but so the you know the name of the podcast is "Say Yes to Travel," and you have touched on elements of this. But for you, what would you say? Understanding the concept or the idea of saying yes to travel, what has saying yes to travel meant to you? You mean in my lifetime? Yeah. Oh my God, sir! So I could cry now because of for me the one major thing. I've I've had to cancel so many trips. I actually was saving a bunch of trips for this year, and I, I canceled Norway, Iceland, Scotland, Nepal, Burma, India, Chile. I had to cancel all those trips. Lost a fortune doing that. But I love to travel so much, and it's such an enormous part of my life. And I, you know, been to so many countries and done so many things. And 
And I, that's to me the biggest loss of this. And so I hope I get to do it again. One of the things Bill and I do, I, I try to do this. I go, well, let's go to another country uh, as much as we can. Like, we'll cook meal from that country. We'll go to a museum. Online. We'll dress in an outfit. We try. I'm like, let's do that. You know, I don't know. You know, I, I suppose everybody listens to you, loves travel. So for me, it has made me a, such a, um, a richer person to be able to experience other people's cultures and to just go and be around things that are different and that, that I don't know. And well, anyway, the other day I had a friend who is a, she's a shaman and she goes to Peru and studies with shamans in Peru. And I was in Marin County and we, she did a uh, shamanic uh, exercise where we did this gorgeous thing. We, it's called a despacho and we did prayers for the world and we wrote them down and we put in all, it was this beautiful thing. She knew how to do it because she studied in Peru. And, um, and I just felt like I thanked her so much because I said, Oh, I feel like I traveled today because you brought me something from another culture that I never knew. And it was beautiful. And I appreciate that. And so for me, that's a sorrow. And I miss it. And I love it. And I hope I get to do it again. I really do. So but I, I'm, I'm in the category I got to wait a while. So I've, I've, I've also surrendered. So many beautiful things that you've just mentioned there as far as surrendering and you will travel again, we will travel again. And it's just stepping to the side and letting just the worlds and everything, the, the situation run its course and knowing that we will get there again. So Holly, thank you so much for this. This has been truly incredible. I, so many moments where I just had chills and I, I've just, I, every time I talk to you, I just leave so enriched and we have many other conversations obviously outside of here, but this really, it just means so much. So, um, well, with that being said, I don't, Marissa, you're so adorable. You're yeah. so <laughs> You're the, you're so sweet. Um, so I so a couple of things. You've got a couple of new things coming out. Um, so for everybody that's tuning in, uh, so Holly, as you can tell, is clearly an educator. She is a hospitality trainer. She is an author. She is a speaker. She she does she really does it all. And she is most importantly just an inspiration. Um, but do you have a couple things that maybe that are going to be coming out that you want to share with everybody? Yeah, thanks. I do. I have this one program, actually, that I really do want to share. So I'm really excited about it. It's called Help Me Holly. And uh, what it is, well, you know, I've, I've been doing these classes for 27 years. And and so I have a lot of material in this in in these classes that are just like, they just kind of come through. And, and I have to I've tried for years to capture my kind of spirit and energy and excitement and all of that uh, in video. And I haven't been that successful at it until now. I got it. I really got it. So this, um, so what I did was I uh, recorded with my video producer, I recorded just thoughts and snippets from these classes I've been doing for years. And I, we, we recorded them in February. So anyway, I just was me and the camera. And I looked at the camera and I was like, I was like looking at you. I was looking at 
every person in hospitality. I was like, I want to be your mentor. I want, I want to tell you some of the wisdom that I've learned over all of these years. And I just looked in the camera and I did about, well, I did 104, um, 90 seconds to three minutes, 60 seconds to four minute, whatever, uh, bites. Mm -hmm. on this. And then because of the pandemic, my video producer had time. And so we put it together in this course and it's called Help Me Holly. And we, we kept 72 of them in the course and uh, it has testing and it has a certificate and uh, it's going to be available really, really soon. And, and I'm, I'm just, I love it because I, I, I wow, I, think we finally captured it. And I hope you do too. And I hope that people will take advantage of it. If we're calling it fast track fundamentals that you can give to, to your team, to yourself. To, it's really a gift because a lot of it's about the spirit to serve people and what it really takes. And um, you are the perfect person for that because you have, you have the spirit, you have the, and such an incredible way to convey all of this information. So I'm excited. I got a little bit of a sneak peek, lucky me, and I was thoroughly impressed. So I cannot wait until others can get in on it. Um, it's been, oh, it's so, I got tingles watching it because I was like, it's you, Holly, it's you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'll, I'll let you know, then you can announce it when it's, when, um, yeah. Okay. We'll Thanks. do that. So for everybody else that's uh, listening, where else can they find you? Like your website, all of the good stuff. Oh, okay. Well, the name of my company is Thank You Very Much Incorporated. So my website is um, Thank You Very Much Inc. Thank You Very Much Inc.com. And so one of my uh, favorite lines is, um, what business are you in? And then I say, if you're not in the thank you business, you're probably not in business. So. <laughs> It's really about thank you. So, Sarah, thank you. <laughs> thank you as well, Holly. That's a perfect note to end on. Um, this has been absolutely incredible. A huge thank you to everybody that's taken the time to listen to this. I hope that you learned as much as I did just having this conversation with Holly. Uh, I will make sure uh, that you guys will have all the information and details so that you can find out more about Holly, find out more about her new program, and just learn uh, more about what she's done as well, too, from her, her website. So again, Holly, thank you very much. Yeah. You, and to all of you tuning in, thank you all. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, continue saying yes to travel. 